Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. Before we jump in, just want to give you a quick reminder that registration for our Dad Tired annual retreat closes this week. And so if you are listening to this before August 15th, 2022, you still have a chance to get in. If you've been on the fence, now is the time to make a decision. We would love to have you. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Bunch of Dad Tired guys from all over the country, some from even around the world are flying in to be part of this. So we'd love to have you but you do have to sign up this week because we are closing registration. So you can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash retreat or just going to the Dad Tired website. You'll see the annual retreat link on there. Again, it closes this week, so we'd love to have you be part of that. That being said, let's dive into today's podcast. I was finishing a talk at a marriage conference in Northern California when this guy walked up to me and he says, why didn't God just section off scripture in terms of its content. Like, why not make a table of contents with a concordance? And and this is specifically in regards to marriage. He's like, why not just have a little tab in your Bible instead of having Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Action, 1st Corinthians, or the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Why not just section everything off by subject? When you're having a hard day, you turn to the comfort section and you have a little tab in your Bible and you turn to comfort and it's got all the comfort passages and the comfort stories in place. And when you're exhausted, it's got one for fatigue. And when you're lonely, it's got one for that. And when you're having difficulty in marriage, it's got a marriage section. That's what he was asking me about, particularly in particular was marriage and or what section on parenting. And my response to him is, that seems to make a lot of sense, right? So I said, so if you're God and you believe the book of Timothy that says that all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. If you believe all those things, and I told you that you were going to write a book, and then I asked you what the main point of your book was, and you look at the Bible, and let's say that you were God and you inspired the Bible, and I asked you a simple question, what's the Bible about? Like, what's the point of the Bible? What's your elevator pitch for the Bible? If you've got 30 seconds to explain to me what the Bible is about, let's take it even shorter than that. If you only got one sentence and you could explain what the Bible was about, what would you say it was about? It's kind of a fun exercise. I don't know if you want to pause this real quick or think about it, or if you're with your kids or with your wife, whatever you discuss this or wherever you are. But if you could crush 66 books of the Old and New Testament written in three different languages over 1,500 periods of time with over 40 different authors, and you had to crush thousands and thousands of pages and thousands and thousands of chapters and verses into just one sentence, what's the Bible about? It's easier to say, what's Genesis about? The kind of creation, the messed up world, all that stuff, and how deep sin goes. You got brother killing brother. You've got the flood. You've got the Tower of Babel. You've got Abraham not believing, sleeping with his maidservant. I mean, you can walk through it. There's a sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22. There's the fulfillment of the covenant made with Abraham in Genesis 15. There's here comes Joseph towards the end of the book and pointing towards the promised land before Exodus, where all the Israelites are in captivity. You could do that. But what if I told you to take the whole thing? That means in one sentence, you have to include both Levitical law and the crucifixion. You have to include both the flood and revelation. How do you do all that in one sentence? And so he said, well, I'm not a theologian. That would be your job, he told me. And I said, listen, friend, (laughs) you are a theologian. Everyone does theology. Everyone has an understanding of who God is. The question isn't, are you a theologian? It's, are you a good theologian? Do you have an accurate understanding of who God is? And 
And so I said, just shoot your shot, man. What is the Bible all about? And he had the longest run-on sentence I could ever understand with more semicolons and commas and parenthetical phrases than you could shake your fist at. And I told him, I said, I think it could be summarized as this. It is the redemptive plan of God to move sinners from enemies to children. I think it's the redemptive plan that automatically insinuates that something went wrong. It's the redemptive plan of God to move sinners from enemies to children, to no longer see us as those who are apart from or are under wrath, but instead to see us as Romans 8 says, we're his adopted children. J.I. Packer, when he was asked, what is the Bible all about? Or if you could summarize the gospel as short as possible, what would you do? He would say, it's God as father. And everything in scripture is summed up in something as simple as that. And so I said, well, why then, if that's the story, why do you think that God wrote the Bible the way that he did? Why Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First things? Why go through the poetry language? Why go into the Old Testament system? Why go into the historical books? Why go into the prophets? Why go into the gospel and then the epistles and then revelation? Like, why go through all of it? Why not break it up into subjects? And so kind of the conclusion that you can come to at the end of all that is marriage and parenting and success and comfort and peace and all those things that wasn't the point. Because if that was the point or if that was the reason, then I think God would have made the Bible into a devotional that you could pick up and turn to and change and do whatever you wanted, depending on the day that you were having. But I think that something unique about scripture is just like, imagine if you're watching Star Wars and you pick a a scene out of Star Wars. And let's say you pick the scene in, I'm not really a big Star Wars guy, so I'm trying to fumble through this. And if you're like really big into Star Wars, do not crucify me. I do not mean any offense. But there's a scene in one of the newer ones. I think it might be The Force Awakens, but Ray and Finn are running through the desert. And as they're running through the desert, they're trying to find a way off of Jakku, I think is the name of the place. And as such, they're looking around for a spaceship. Is that what they're called? Spaceships? Oh, man. They're looking for a ship so that they can get off the planet. And they're, as they're running around, they see these new, really cool ones. And, and then those get blown up. And then they go over to this place. And those other ones get blown up by the Empire, I don't know, by uh, Kylo Ren's people. And then one of them looks over and says, what about that one? And the camera pans, and it's the Millennium Falcons right there. And I remember I was sitting in the, the theater when that happened, and I'm not a Star Wars person at all. Like, I just, I enjoy the movies for sure, right? Like, I enjoy listening to people nerd out about them. I enjoy people talking about the reason that the lightsabers are different colors or because of the crystal. Like, it, it's fascinating to me that someone in their mind created a world that now everyone has canon with and has understandings of and fan theories from. It's fascinating, but I just don't really get into it. There's other things that you give me it, I'll nerd out like no one's business. Star Wars just isn't one of them. And so I'm sitting there and I've seen the original movies, but I didn't have a great grasp on them. So when the whole, it was like maybe the third or fourth day that that Star Wars had come out, the whole theater went, oh, because they all saw the money and fuck and they knew the background of it and the context of it. And so then they were able to really appreciate what it was saying. 
I, on the other hand, was like, that ship looks crappy. You know, like, it's not a it's not a very good-looking ship. Why would they want that one? And why is everyone freaking out in the theater? And what is the Millennium Falcon? And why is everyone saying this? Everyone in their seat were like, oh, it's the Falcon. It's the, oh, it's Millennium Falcon. You know, and I'm sitting there like, I don't know. I'm eating popcorn, just enjoying the movie. And the reason is because when George Lucas looks at the grand theory and, and the grand outlook of Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon is not the point of Star Wars. Now, and it plays an important role in it, but no one, if you said, give me Star Wars in a sentence, would say the Millennium Falcon. It wouldn't be a part of the sentence, right? It would be a story of a family called the Skywalkers and the triumph of good over evil in a intergalactic setting. That could be like a summary. And while any individual scene in any of the movies has its own internal plot or micro aim for a scene, it all plays into the bigger scene or else it wouldn't be in the movie. In the same way, when we look at marriage in scripture, it's not the point. And I think sometimes we can piecemeal out the Bible and think, well, God, what do you want to say about my marriage? What do you want to say about my parenting? What do you want to say about this? And and I think what's important to remember is that any scene, any subject, any topic in scripture needs to be seen in the grand scheme of the scriptures, which means any individual topic in scripture fits into and plays into the grand narrative of the scripture. So, That means any individual topic in Star Wars, any individual scene in Star Wars is about people almost dying in a big trash compactor in A New Hope, right? For sure. That is what that scene is about, where they try to escape and they're all in that little confined space and the walls are closing in. That scene is about that, but it's also about a family called the Skywalkers and the triumph of good over evil in an intergalactic setting. That's absolutely what that scene is about. Even though if you looked at it individually, you wouldn't get that. You would understand that that alone does not take away from the grand arc, the grand narrative of Star Wars. So I think it's important for all of us as theologians, and that is what we all are, to see anything in our life when it comes to the Bible and when it comes to scripture and when it comes to to parenting and marriage and our jobs as all of these things might be about themselves but they're also about something bigger. And if the grand narrative of scripture is God's redemptive plan to move sinners into change sinners into children, to change enemies into adopted children, if that's the grand narrative of scripture, then we have to ask the question, then what is parenting for? Parenting, just like any scene in Star Wars, is itself, but it's also just a small part in the grand scheme of the Bible. So we can kind of say without any hesitation whatsoever, what is marriage about? Marriage is a part of God's redemptive plan to move enemies into positions as his own beloved children. What is parenting about? Parenting is a part of God's great redemptive plan to move sinners and enemies into positions of love and childhood underneath the Father. That is what everything is about. Oftentimes, When we piecemeal out our life, we can take things like parenting and marriage and jobs and everything and take them outside the context of the grand narrative. And I think that is where we open and we expose the parts of our life to fraud, to corruption, to misalignment with the Bible. We take it out of almost like a devotional or a word from a table of contents and say, now I'm going to learn about this. Now I'm going to study this individual thing without doing it in the grand narrative 
narrative. And so we can read self-help books and we can read parenting books, which are great. Those can be really helpful if they are inside the grand narrative of scripture. They don't exist outside of it. That was never God's intent. So what is marriage about? Marriage is about God redeeming us. What is parenting about? Parenting is about God redeeming us. And in both cases, we play an active and a passive role in what God is doing in the grand story of humankind. So when we approach our marriages and when we approach our parenting, we want to make sure we see it all through that. What is my main objective? Why did I get married? What is my role as husband? In a more minute way, I can say that right now my role as husband is to take out the trash. Right now, my role of husband is to go to work. Right now, my role as husband is to wrestle with the kids. Right now, my role as husband is to plan a date night for my spouse and I. Right now, my role as husband is to sit down, shut my mouth, and listen to how my wife's day went 100%. And at any of those moments, you can also ask the question, what is my bigger objective right now? I'm taking out the trash, but I'm also actively participating in God's redemptive plan to move people from position of enemies to children, which seems weird. But in a lot of ways, it saves us from being so focused on behavior modification or on kind of the minute infinitesimal changes of our life just so I can be a better husband for being a better husband's sake. Is being a better husband important? Yes. Why is it most important? It's most important Because God has instituted marriage as a way in which he relates to his people through his redemptive work of bringing sinners and enemies into children and heirs of the kingdom. So I just wanted to give that quick encouragement for us as I was having this conversation and I was thinking through it, that our role, the more that we can get a grand narrative view of what our life is all about and what our parenting, what our marriage is all about, the more I think we're going to find ourselves bringing the main idea back to what we're doing. We're going to jump back to the basics and go, man, I'm really frustrated right now. Man, I'm really upset at my kids right now. Man, I'm, I'm really tired right now. Man, I'm really this right now. And if we piecemeal out marriage and we go, I'm so tired that right now I deserve to do X, Y, and Z. I deserve to sit down. I'm going to check out. I'm not going to engage with my kids. I'm not going to, because if we take it on its own and we, we compare it then, to how other people are doing parenting or doing marriage, we can compare apples to oranges or apples to apples and say, okay, I deserve to do this right now. But when we put parenting and marriage and our job and our focus and our careers inside the context of what it was meant to be, if marriage is the scene of Luke finding out that Vader is actually his father, spoiler alert, sorry, if you didn't know that, like before I ever saw any of the movies, I've known that since I was like three years old because all anyone ever talked about when I was growing up. I watched Tommy Boy. And it ruined it because he's talking in the fan and he goes, Luke, I am your father. So, you know what I mean? Sorry sorry if that spoils anything for you. But any individual scene, even Luke finding out that Vader is his father, is not the point. It just supports the point. In the same way, let's not get so focused on what we're doing that we lose the bigger picture of it. Because then when we enter into situations in marriage or we we start a conversation or an argument or we're having a hard day with our kids, if we make marriage the point, if we make it our identity of what is most important, if we make any individual scene in Star Wars, the grand narrative itself, then we're going to miss the forest through the trees. But when we can take a step back and go, man, I don't feel like doing this right now. I don't feel like, like checking in with my kids right now. I don't feel like engaging. I don't feel like wrestling. I don't feel like going out and and doing something with my wife. I don't feel like any of this stuff. But we put it in the grand narrative of asking the question, 
How right now am I playing a role in God's redemptive plan to move sinners and enemies into children and heirs to his kingdom? It will allow us to, in a lot of ways, create rules of thumb for the way that we behave. If we, if we know that this is what God's trying to do through us, and it's not God's just ultimate plan for us to be comfortable and always happy and always enjoying what's going on and that our lives would be fair and that everything would, if we get rid of that, and stop making these individual subjects the main point, but instead see the grand overarching narrative that God's trying to write through human history, and we see that marriage and parenting is just a part of that, I think we will do well to not give it too much emphasis in our life in terms of thinking that if I succeed at marriage, I've succeeded at the main thing. If I've got good kids who go to school, then I've done the best thing. If I've got kids who've got a successful career and a successful job, and that's the main thing then we might end up missing what God's trying to write that's bigger and more important than any individual subjects. And that's why God doesn't piecemeal out scripture. That's why he doesn't have a table of contents for topics. It's because God wants to see that marriage in Ephesians chapter five, when he talks about marriage, he's already created the world. It's already been in total chaos. Brothers killed brother, the flood of the earth, the redemption of that, the Exodus story has happened. God has showed up in the desert. He has announced himself as the one God in Deuteronomy. Hero is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's revealed himself in the prophets as the coming Savior. He's revealed himself as the Savior of the world. He laid down his life for his friends. In John 13, in that section, he starts to wash his disciples' feet and he shows servant leadership. He walks to the cross willingly and he sacrifices himself. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays that God's will would be done instead of his. And he moves from that to the movement of his ascension and leaving us, but then giving us the Holy Spirit and then sending out the disciples to go take the word of God to the ends of the earth. And then in the middle of all that, we see Paul write about marriage. Why? Because it's one part of God's grand meta-narrative to move enemies into positions as children and heirs of his kingdom. I hope that's encouraging for you today. I hope sometimes we do well just to get a dose of perspective on our life. And oftentimes perspective comes from painful situations. And maybe today, the perspective of our day and not getting too caught or too upset about something going wrong at work or too fixated on some of the issues we're having in marriage, but we can step back and see what God is trying to do on a grand scale. We might take some of the pressure off of ourselves. We might be more ready to lean in and we might be more willing to not seek total fairness or total equality in things, but instead see, wait a minute, God has put marriage in my life to conform me into the image of his son to usher in his kingdom, and to be a small part in his bigger narrative of saving the world. Hopefully, that's an encouragement for you guys today. Hey guys, hope that episode was helpful for you. I wanted to read this message that I received over on our closed little community that we have. If you want to be part of that, you can go to dadtired.com and just click join the community. But this guy sent me a message and he said, Hey man, just wanted to let you know I've been an intellectual Christian for years now, but in the last few weeks, my marriage and life have really crumbled due to alcohol, drugs, and infidelity. I needed this pain to finally surrender to Jesus and know God in my heart. And your podcast has been a big part of God chasing after me these last few weeks. I wanted to share that with you for two reasons. One, you may relate to some of that story. Maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you randomly stumbled across this podcast and uh, you don't know why, but you're here and maybe God's chasing you down, man. And so I just want you to pause and be like, what the heck is happening? (laughs) I want you to reflect on just like, why did you listen to this podcast today? Why did you stumble across it? And is it possible 
that the God of the universe has his eyes on you and he wants to pursue you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. So that's just something to consider, man. I, I don't know if I really believe in coincidences. There's a, I just really believe there's a God chasing down people. And so wherever you're at, if you're broken, you're in the middle of your mess, maybe God's chasing you down. And that's why you found this episode. The other reason I wanted to share that was because this ministry, man, I get emails like that and messages like that daily, and I'm not exaggerating. Truly, the Dad Tired Ministry is being used by God. He's being so gracious to let us be part of this story that Chris was just talking about, this redemption story of seeing guys' hearts drawn back to him. And so if you believe in that and you're like, dude, this is helping me and I think it could help other guys, we would love to have you partner with us. We need more resources to keep growing the ministry and reaching more men. So if you want to be part of that, we'd love to have you join and become a partner, a monthly partner. You can do that by going to dadtire.com forward slash give. Anyway, I love you guys. As always, I hope these resources are helpful for you on your journey. And we'll see you next week.